Blog Talk Radio. Hi, welcome to episode number 83 of Thyroid Nation Radio live talk show and podcast. I'm Dana Bowman, founder of ThyroidNation.com. And I'm Tiffany Malanich of GratefulGarden.biz. <laughs> Almost something else? Mending medicine, yes. I've got my Facebook page finally and I'm still working on the website, but yes. Excitement, and of okay. course, I'm going to have. Okay. <laughs> okay. Today, we are talking with the chronic babe, Jenny Procopi, about self image and authenticity outside of chronic illness, which is so important and something that we all struggle with as uh, sufferers and things. So I can't, I can't wait to see what she has to say about it. Plus, she's just fun and amazing. I can't wait to talk to her. I know, right? You can uh, tell by looking very, at her, right? I know. <laughs> That's so funny. I thought that was just me. I'm like, I'm excited to talk to her. She's like the ultimate girlfriend, you know. Right? We're gonna get, I know. We're, we're going to become rock stars after today. She's going to help us live better. Um, yep. If you've missed any of the Thyroid Nation radio podcasts, I know it you know, like sound like a little parrot of myself, you can super easy download and listen to them at your leisure, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, ACAST, you can connect through Thyroid Nation, Blog Talk Radio. They're amazing, particularly for, for drives, stuck in traffic or people <laughs> running. Or <laughs> um, I'm I, sorry, I, I have to, to make fun of you today because you sound terrible. <laughs> Do I really? Can you tell? Wait till I get in one of my fittings, <laughs> one of my fitting sneezes. Okay, one of my sneeze fits. Okay, I just I'm just gonna need to stop. I'm just gonna need to <laughs> It was so much worse yesterday and I just I'm like so glad you're stockpiled on pickled garlic. I was eating them oh like my God, candy. That I could have so been a fire breathing dragon yesterday. <laughs> oh my gosh. My I so want some of those I forgot. We talked about them on one of the other shows. She's a lady who sells them. I the need to make, market, I need to right? send you a care package. Yeah, oh, I do. I need to send you a care right. package because they are the ultimate, truly. Truly, Lisa's okay. Kitchens, pickled garlic. <laughs> it's awesome. Can't wait. <laughs> okay, guys, sorry for the sidetrack. Here is what we have to say about the amazing Jenny. We are so excited to talk with the ultimate self-empowered patient, living well beyond her diagnosis. Jenny Procopi is a motivational speaker and an award-winning healthcare writer with over 20 years of experience. Among her recognitions is the prestigious WeGo Health Activist Award and the Best Patient Blog by the uh, Medical Blog Awards. She created Chronic Babe in 2005 after years of being limited with chronic illness as a young woman that craved more out of life. She definitely, you can tell, she's one of those. She definitely craves more out of life. I love it. Chronic Babe <laughs> is an amazing online community that helps you rock your life in spite of illness. New confidence. It can help you boost your career, save money, better sex, nurtured friendships. It gives you uh, all kinds of wonderful, fun things if you just want to be supported because we all know what it's like when uh, when people don't get it. So, we are excited to uh, to talk to Jenny today. So excited! I definitely need to be more fabulous. <laughs> so right, she needs to give me and a prescription support. 
for being fabulous. That is what Jenny is going to do for all of us today, and it looks like she is already with us. With no further ado, let's get this Thyroid Nation thriving. Good morning, Jenny. Hey, ladies. How are you doing? I love it. Hey, ladies. (laughs) We're doing good. (laughs) I heard you talking about me a little bit. I hope I can live up to uh, your intro. Well, I'm, just I'm your picture sure you alone. We know you just, can. Too fun. We know you can. Besides that, you're a redhead. So come on. We know what exactly they say about right. redheads, right? <laughs> well, I know what some people say about redheads. And I'm a redhead by choice. I'm actually blonde under all this. So, uh, you, you know. Really blonde? For real? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Why? There's a, there has to be more, more something about people who choose to be red. <laughs> it takes that whole definition and, and ups it, right? Like, totally. I, I have <laughs> never met a, a, a boring person that has chosen to be a redhead. That's uh, the truth. I can't, can't <laughs> That's imagine. That's the truth. I think we're all a little bit crazy because the upkeep is pretty, you know, you got to really, like, Especially, I'm going gray a little bit under there, just a little bit. Uh, so the you other one is pretty. pretty crucial, but. <laughs> well, two of my best friends are redheads, and I can only just imagine someone choosing to be a redhead. That's just that's awesome. That's like a mission. Oh, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I might, the person, I've only ever had one person color my hair and we started when I was younger with just like very blonde highlights because I, you know, I grew up in Texas and then I've lived here in Chicago for, I don't know, about 25 years now. And over the, over the years, you know, your hair starts to get a little darker, especially you don't have the Texas summer. Like I don't, you know, I used to run around outside a lot and my hair would get bleached right. out and that wasn't happening. So she started putting in blonde highlights and then we started playing with low lights. And then one day I saw this woman who had little bits of red in her hair. And we were like, well, let's try that. And basically over the course of like a year, we just went to full red. And it was, so she eased me into it. It was a gradual process. But it's definitely one of those things that like, I, I feel like there are a couple things I will never give up no matter how brokety broke I am. And um <laughs> Coloring my hair is one of them. And I, trust me, I have been brokeity broke. I have had some really rough years in my life. And I was like, I'm sorry, but I cannot go out and like hustle and try to boost my mood and try to help people and, and try to make that money if I feel frumpy. And for me, hair color is a big part of that so I know for some people that may make me sound like I'm vain but I, I don't care <laughs> I'll that's, a lot. that's right I love it I totally love it and I am um, when I moved uh, from Costa Rica to Colorado I got my hair done a few days before and I have not gotten it updated since so you have just oh, yeah. inspired me to go get it done <laughs> because I never ever went without my hair being being fixed and so now uh-huh. I'm going because I, I'm in that frumpity frump phase. I need to get out of it. So I'm going. Yeah, I'm going. do it, where, do it. Where in Texas frumpity are you from? Frump. Well I'm from Houston. Um okay. my whole family's from Wisconsin originally, but my dad and my mom moved down there in the late sixties um for work reasons and so I grew up 
there, and then I came up here to go to Northwestern um, for journalism, and I just fell in love with Chicago, and there's so much great writing and marketing work in this part of the country, too. There's just, it's like endless opportunity, so um, it took a while to get used to winter, and I still, I try not to grumble about it. I try to instead embrace it and have cute sweaters and socks and stuff, but um, talk to me in February, and I'll probably be grumbling a little bit. <laughs> should there should there be some kind of a warning on the show with two Texans and one being a redhead? I think there should. Yes, you know? there should be. Yes, I think yes. the warning would be caution: awesome boss babes ahead. Awesome, That's yeah, right, right. <laughs> real, real stuff, you know. <laughs> I'm a oh Dallas girl, and um, you, oh, yeah. you get me in a room with another Texan, better watch out. So you're right, Tiff. It's oh, my true. God. I'm and serious, you know what? Right? I can hear it, and I can hear that my accent's coming out more because, like, I've been up here for a really long time, so I'm starting to sound like a Chicagoan, but I, I can hear that my accent is coming out just talking to you. So that is fine. I, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, I mean, we say it. y'all. We say y'all. We say howdy. That's how it works. I say y'all all the time, and I even say all y'all, sometimes just to mess with Midwesterners, just to see. <laughs> all y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I love oh my it. Gosh. <laughs> okay, okay, so let's we get down to business. I was going to say, we love your story. We We just love what you do, so we want to hear – the story, the passion, the struggle that came behind Chronic Babe. How'd you get there? Yeah, great. I'm very happy to share that with you. I, um, <clears throat> so, you know, I, I, like I said, I moved up here for school and then stayed for work. And I was just kind of getting my career really going, you know, at, at age 25. And that was uh, back in the late 90s. And, um, and I was having a lot of health issues and didn't understand it and went through a lengthy kind of arduous process of looking for some diagnosis, as I think a lot of our listeners today can relate to. Um, and I feel pretty lucky because I got one within a year, and that's uh, I'm sure there are people listening who've gone years struggling to get a diagnosis. Um, but I got diagnosed with fibromyalgia and then kind of right on top of that um, anxiety and depression because I'd been having all these panic attacks and anxiety. And really a lot of that was around this, these mystery ailments anyway, but um, that, you know, really kind of came into full force and also Raynaud's phenomenon and asthma. So all those things kind of showed up all around the same time, which was really intense, as you might imagine. Um, And then, you know, later on, I've been diagnosed with more things, hypothyroid being one of them. Um, And, but at the time, as a 25-year-old, I was like, what the hell? I don't, (laughs) you know, I thought my life was like really just getting cooking. And I was meeting people at fibro support groups who were saying, oh, you might have to use a wheelchair and I hope you don't want to have a big career and like really giving me some downer. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah, I met some real downers. Um, (laughs) You're like, dude, stop. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of turned me off from support groups for a long time because I was like, I'm here to get support, not to be told my life is over because that's 
I felt like my right. life was over. And, you know, it's like during that, diagno- that diagnosis process, when I still didn't know what was going on, I lost like 30 pounds over the course of about a month. Um, and everybody I would see me and be like, oh, you look so great. And I would just like smile and nod my head and say thank you. And inside I was thinking, I think I'm dying because right. I didn't know why I was losing all this weight. And I had all these crazy symptoms and I just couldn't figure it out. And I, I literally thought something is horribly wrong with me and I'm dying. And like, meanwhile, everyone was like, you look hot. So I'm like, started saying things like, well, you know, at least I look hot. I mean, (laughs) Um, hot and dead is what will be on my gravestone. But yeah, so I, so it was really intense. It was, you know, right. It's, it was an intense time. It was really rough and it took me, you know, I was angry. And then when I got diagnosed, you know, my doctors were saying like, exercise is the best thing for you. And I'm a real type A personality and kind of a hard charger. And I'd always been really athletic. So I started swimming like a crazy person. I mean, I'm, I've been a swimmer my whole life, but I mean, I used to, I started going out and working out at the Y in my neighborhood and swimming every day and just swimming like my life depended on it. And, you know, what I didn't understand at the time figured out later was I basically was just making everything like way worse because they didn't say gentle exercise. They right, said right. <laughs> exercise. You said I was working I out thought, at the Y, and I'm in my head. I'm thinking, why? <laughs> right. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, it was really I mean, it was an intense time. Right. Um, right. And, re- and really scary and really unknown. And I didn't have any peers who could relate at all. And that was a challenge. And then after a few years, like blogging started getting big and I started to reach more of a place of acceptance and coping that was working for me. And so as a writer and as someone who, you know, really values service, I decided to do a blog and kind of share what I was learning and connect with people. And so that was chronic babe. And so it started as a blog and pretty simple but like I said, I'm kind of a type A hard charger, so it quickly ballooned into a really big website and a forum right. and a bunch of other stuff. And, and awards. Um, I mean, you were getting recognized. That's awesome. Yeah, it's very, it's a great honor to be recognized so much for, for my work. And, you know, especially at the time, I was doing it. Um, I mean, I was paying to do it. I was not making any money from doing it. I was really just doing it because I wanted to connect with people. And, um, you know, over the years, I've gotten to love it so much more and I get so much value out of it and I could recognize how much I could help people. Um, and so that's why in the last couple of years I've really stepped it up and it is almost a hundred percent of my business now is chronic babe work or other kinds of activism for our chronic illness community, um, which is great. So now it's like the website, the forum, YouTube channel, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest. I'm finishing a book that I did a Kickstarter for last year. Um, I do a bunch of speaking gigs. I have a um, a very small fee, but a paid membership program, which I'm really, really proud of. It's really fun to work more one-on-one with people. Um, and I try to keep it super affordable because, again, a lot of people in our community don't have access to a right. lot of funds. And so it's it's like it's – I wanted to take something that was really – really craptastic about my life and figure out a way that I could turn it into something gold. Did you just say craptastic? You know? 
I yeah, love I'm that. sorry. Can I say craptastic on blog radio? <laughs> I think I just said that's SHIT awesome. earlier for the first time on the show. I don't know what happened. I just came out. I didn't mean to. Oh, okay, okay. Well, <laughs> I, I think said craptastic awesome. because normally I would say another word, and I didn't know if that was okay. So I went with craptastic. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've been caught with that uh, uh, other times too. So it's it's kind of like it's a family show, but it does slip. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a weird again, family. You know? <laughs> you hit that one right on the head. We are totally a weird family, but craptastic is right up Dana in my alley. <laughs> That's good. We're gonna every be time using Tiffany that talks, like crazy. All I can hear is ba 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 ba. Oh. <laughs> are you making fun of me? You are no. you're making fun of me and my cold. That's just not nice. <laughs> it's coming at you, babe. You're going to have a crap-tastic day. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so, okay, so Jenny, so here you are. You're, you're in your late 20s, and you've been diagnosed with fibromyalgia and all these other things. What were you doing for work at the time, and did it impact your work? I mean, were you, were you that bad? Um, can you oh, talk yeah. a little bit about that? Yeah, it really impacted me. So, I mean, I was – symptomatic I so I was when I got diagnosed I was in my second job out of college so um, the first couple of years I worked as a journalist and a reporter in the trade um, in the trade industry and I started to have a bunch of symptoms then and um, and so I took a little bit of break from work to kind of regroup and then I started working at ironically a social service agency for people with disabilities um, and was really excited to be working there. And that was when I really started to get sick. And so I was going for all these medical appointments and, um, and going to the Y every day and swimming my buns off. And, you know, really it was a very challenging time. And what was really challenging was like the workplace policy on sick time was really tough because I could go, I, I, for example, I could schedule, my doctors were being really lenient and really flexible is the word I want to say. Um, well, there's that fiber fog. Um, <laughs> you know, my doctors were being really flexible and scheduling early morning appointments for me. So I could go at like 730 downtown for a doctor's appointment. And I could be mm-hmm. back at my job by like 930, even though my day normally started at nine. And they were so inflexible that instead of just letting me come in half an hour late and like work half an hour later at the end of the day, they were making me take half sick days. Um, oh, gee. So, yeah, it was really nutty. So after, after a certain point, I ran out of my sick time, and then I had to take unpaid leave under FMLA, uh, the Family Medical Leave Act, in case right, people don't right. know what that is. And that was really hard. I mean, really, it was really discouraging as, just as a person, and especially to be working for an agency for people with disabilities and having been diagnosed with something that people were telling me was going to be very disabling um, and to not have that flexibility. And so I've ever since then, I've been such a staunch advocate for, for accommodation and flexibility in the workplace Um, because, you know, I left that job, not, I mean, I really had only been there a year and a half and I couldn't stay any longer. I really, I was so frustrated and it wasn't working for me health wise um, so that was tough. So then I went, I found a gig um, working as a media relations manager, again, in the trade industry, kind of back to where my in- initial professional roots were. 
And they were just so much more flexible about things. You know, they helped me get all these accommodations I needed in my office to make everything ergonomic. And my supervisor was super flexible about timing. He was more like, as long as you get the work done and do it well, I don't care if you are a little bit late on Tuesdays or whatever it was. Um, that that should was, be how they all are. Yeah, for real, because what's really important that you get your work done? And, I mean, he would say, I remember a couple times he said to me, we're catching a little flack from other departments because they see you coming in late. And I, I just said, listen, do they see me staying late? No, because they're all leaving right when the clock hits five. Right. So right. if they want to stick around and watch me stay for an extra hour, or watch me work on weekends or whatever, then they can deal. Like I, you know, they have a, they have positions where they work nine to five and that's it. I have a salaried position that requires travel and weekend work and I get it all done. So they can, if they can lump it is (laughs) kind of what I said. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it was, it was very, it was very challenging. It was very challenging, Gary. And eventually I just realized that if I was going to continue to work full-time and make the kind of money that I needed to make to take care of myself and wanted to make that I was going to have to go out on my own and really create my own path. And so that's, um, that's what I did almost goodness gracious, 14 and a half years ago, went out on my own, started my own communications firm, which is a much fancier way of saying um, freelance writing. (laughs) Right. And I haven't looked back ever since. Wow. You know, it's funny, Dana and I talk all the time about how being diagnosed and, of course, living with a chronic illness changes. I mean, you become so adaptable, you know. You have to yeah. to constantly adapt to the situation. And we always talk about how many amazing people that we have met that have thrived in this situation. I mean, it's, it's kind of awesome in a way I can't, I can't, I mean, awesome is not the right word. I mean, you never would want to wish something on anyone, but it's amazing how it changes people to realize, you know, um, how amazing they truly can be. I mean, we talk to people all the time. You're a perfect example of people that thrived in their illness, you know, they're thriving. And that is just, I mean, that's, very cool in yeah. so many ways. <laughs> I mean, it's kind <laughs> of scary you. that we had to get there by this. You know what I'm saying? But, oh, but yeah. a lot of them are thanking, I mean, you know, they thank the fact that they've been through this journey and what it has done yeah. and how it's changed them and brought out all these amazing characteristics, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, I don't, you know, it's funny. I mean, not funny, but interesting to me is like, I feel like there are some people who, for whatever reason, um, they get really beaten down by it and they're not, they kind of lose sight of who they are and what their life could be and they get frustrated and discouraged um, and they stop working at it. And I, I don't say that to judge, it's just an observation. Um, and other people kind of are able to tap into an innate resilience or to get help finding their innate resilience, you know, because I think we all as people have the ability to be resilient and to bounce back and to come up with workarounds and new approaches. But, you know, not everybody, not everybody has the community of support and the tools at hand that they need to do that. And that's a really a big part of why 
I love doing my chronic babe work so much, you know. That's a huge thing, you know. And Mm -hmm. we talk all the time about how patients get or, you know, owning the diagnosis where people have, and and I've been guilty of that in the past for sure because I've had, you know, a lifetime of illness. And I I still struggle with that sometimes, especially when something Mm -hmm. new pops up or whatever. You know, I almost Mm -hmm. go through, it, it sounds kind of crazy, but almost a mourning period that I feel is, it's kind of important to being being able to progress forward and get over it. You almost have yeah, to, yeah. and everybody's so different. That's the thing. I mean, some people just mm-hmm. jump right out of it and screw this. I'm going to, you know, just leave it behind and go forward. And then some people yeah. need a mourning period. But, you know, it's it's just a, it's just such a fascinating journey. I mean, yeah. that's why we love doing well, the radio so much is because every <laughs> week, we learn something new, not only about ourselves, but about the journey and, yeah. you know, not only healing, but also so many, you know, so many facets of the process. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's really an incredible journey. So, well, it's interesting that yeah. you mentioned the morning period because I, it's come up twice for me in the past four days. So wow. <laughs> one was, I did it a must speaking be something gig. we should talk about. <laughs> yeah, I think, it's about imp- it. I, I think it's important. I, you know, <clears throat> And I think it speaks to, you know, kind of the topic at hand. I, I did a speaking gig at a support or local support group for Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome on Saturday, um, and it was really phenomenal. And one of the members, we were talking about acceptance, and one of the members was saying, well, how does mourning fit into that? Because, I, you know, as I get each new diagnosis or things shift for me, I feel like I should have the space to mourn it before I move on. And I'm like, yes, absolutely. Like, acceptance right. and, and nurturing your identity doesn't mean it's not, they're not mutually exclusive. They, they both can and need to happen. And then I had an appointment with a new doctor who I'm coincidentally just newsflash working on some new approach for treating my thyroid issue um, just unexpectedly showed up in my life on Monday. And that um, he also told, talked to me about the same thing, just that we need to give ourselves that space to one, you know, let ourselves mourn the loss of some of the things that we used to be able to do or our health or a certain aspect of our health so that we can give our, like, kind of get it out of our system a little bit so then we can continue to move forward. And I think that's so crucial. And a lot of self-help, you know, quote-unquote gurus um, kind of want to launch you, you know, head first into beyond that, like, go, go, right, go, right, right. you're going to get better. And not take like, that oh, time. Sometimes... Yeah. And we, right. and everybody's different in terms of what that time means for them. So I don't think there's a set formula for, for how totally. long you're allowed to, or what you need to, how do you need to do that? No, but the, no, I guess I totally the bottom agree. line would be that you need to allow yourself whatever Come, pops up just let it be mm-hmm. right whether it's morning mm-hmm. or not you know um, just allowing that to happen so that you can move forward yeah for yeah, sure I totally for agree sure. I mean that's been a, a lot that's of people don't a, allow themselves that right because they because don't their family or they feel like they feel like they're um, they, they shouldn't uh, because you know mm-hmm. they need to be all the you know mom and and the supporter and this and that for the family and they yeah. just don't allow themselves that and it really it is an important step. Yeah. Well, in our culture, especially here in the States and in Western culture in general, more generally, we're not, um, we don't place an emphasis on 
on respecting people's mourning processes. It's like we mm. will say, you know, it's so okay, true. go and mourn, go off, like go off and mourn by yourself, and then when you're better, come back. And it's like, well, wait a second, <laughs> like that's not right. When people are in mourning, they actually need more support and help. Like we should allow people to have that space and not. A lot of people, I think, face judgment, and I have faced judgment in my life from family members and acquaintances who are like, aren't you over this yet? You know, and it's like, okay, I'll tell you what, let's, uh, let's, why don't you live for a week with my symptoms and then let's talk about how fast you're going to get over it. Like, but I, you know, I try not to be that snarky, but it's people, people, it's a challenging place to be around people who are deeply emotional or crying or upset. It makes other people sometimes feel uncomfortable. And so we don't really, in our culture, give the, a lot of space to that. Right. And so, you know, I try to amongst, you know, my family, my family of choice, all my friends, but, um, but not everyone does, unfortunately. You know, what's funny though, to me, and this is something I I can honestly say has only been something that I've really wrapped my head around in the last couple years, but, um, where I try to, it's so important that I understand myself. I can never make another person understand what my day is like my kids will never mm-hmm. understand my husband mm-hmm. will never understand truly what my day is like the only person that may possibly know what my day or my week or my year might be like are other people who are in that same situation and I honestly mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. to admit I have especially in the last couple of years which has been paramount to my health and you talk a lot about authenticity is being authentic mm-hmm. to myself. It doesn't matter if you don't know what my day is like. I know what my day is like. I think mm-hmm. that's so important for me, you know, and when you have people that have expectations of you and there are days that you, you know, can't meet it or need to alter it or whatever. Dana and I talk about this all the time, right? Mm-hmm. We have to make other people understand what that is. And when I cancel something, you know, if your expectations or whatever you can't do you can't take the fact that I've canceled and that I'm not the person for you or mm-hmm, I'm not the mm-hmm. friend for you or I may not yeah. be the wife for you because if mm-hmm. you can't right. respect me, that means I'm not respecting myself. And that yeah. has been yeah. huge for me in the last couple of years in, in mm. surrounding myself with people who understand that concept, that are aware mm-hmm. of that concept, that, you know, and it, the whole thing of live in my shoes, wouldn't we love that? Wouldn't we love that? But the average person doesn't understand that. They have absolutely yeah, yeah. no idea. You know, I we all should have a superwoman thing on our chest because, you know, <laughs> I'm going to give myself a bump of, of, but I am a superwoman. Live in my day with four kids and self-employed and everything else and get done and complete what I do in a day with uh-huh. my diagnosis and then you'll understand. But I can never make other people understand that. So I have to yeah, believe I'm yeah. a superwoman, and I have to make my own rules. And when mm-hmm. you know, when I saw the fact that you talk about authentic, man, that just that just takes that whole definition and sums it up. Authenticity. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it was profound for me. I was having a profound, I was having a profound <laughs> moment when moment. I looked at that. You know what I mean? But the people that understand, it. they understand. And so I have like yeah. a an equation of you have to take the people that understand and and allow them 80% of you 
and the ones that don't mm. understand, the ones we love, you, you allow them 20% because I can only deal with your nonsense 20% of the time <laughs> or trying to explain yeah. to you 20% yeah. of the time. Right, but that's hey, I like that equation. You've never told me that before. I'm going to start using that. Watch out, girl. Well, I have done that for <laughs> a long time. I have to. It's it's like it's a total, it's a total survival mechanism. Yeah, I, I and we need any. that. For me, I totally. I take a slightly different approach, but I think it gets the same um, work done. I would done, love which to is... hear your approach. <clears throat> Please. It's a little unusual. I mean, it's around boundaries, and that's kind of what you're talking about, too. Like, yes. you're choosing how much you share and how much you take in. So I do this thing where I have a mental wardrobe, and the wardrobe includes all these different outfits I put on for different kinds of scenarios. So when I'm hanging with somebody who I know just doesn't get it and is kind of going to be a weirdo or a jerk about it, I'm wearing a suit of armor. And, like, I will picture Ooh. myself – putting on the suit of armor <laughs> like, like a visualization no, I love that yeah and it really helps because then I know well like if I want to I can lift the little face plate and have a conversation but I can drop it anytime I want you know and then right, right. with my best friend and we're talking about really deep stuff like I can wear a mesh tank top and short shorts with her like I she, you know, I can take in like almost anything she has to put out and I can share almost every ounce of myself with her because I know we're, we're both in a safe, trusting, respectful place. And then there's like everything in between, you know, some days you've got to put on a big cozy sweater and some days you have to go in with your fencing mask on and some like, so I kind of keep this imaginary mental wardrobe for that and you know, I try to, whenever I feel challenged, I try to picture like, well, what, what is my outfit for this scenario? You know, and sometimes Ooh. it is like Wonder Woman cuffs, right? I mean, right. Sometimes it's a combo. It's a, it really. Wonder Woman can get tired of, though. Oh, she can. Oh, she didn't on the TV show needs, in an hour, but. Yeah. Sometimes she needs to take that cape and just like curl up in it on a ball on the sofa and that's fine. She's so Wonder Woman but she might need a nap and it's okay. But that visualization really helps me because I, you know, I want to give of myself as authentically and, and, re, and honestly as I can, as often as I can. It's a real value for me that I try to live by, but I also need to protect myself because I know the limits of my physical energy, my emotional energy, my spiritual energy, professionally. And so it's up to me to set those boundaries because people are always going to try to push past them and want more. Always. And that's just right. And it's yeah. not always a bad thing. They're not, it's not intentional to hurt you a lot of the times. It's just that right. people can't, they can't live in our bodies. They don't, they don't understand yeah. what it's like. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's almost impossible and futile to, to make them understand. You know what I'm saying? That, mm-hmm. That's, a, that's mm-hmm. a, a whole set of energies that we don't have. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, cannot, I cannot help you go there. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I cannot help you go there. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, there's times where people are so challenging to me that I just I will end the conversation with more like, I'm going to text you a link to a video I did about this. If you could just watch it, that'd be great. Okay, thanks. Bye. Like, I don't right. <laughs> Because I am done talking to you about it. And I mean, but, you know, I've talked about this recently with some friends, too, in the online health activist world. It's like 
I feel like it is kind of my calling to help people and to be an advocate for people in our community, but I also need breaks. And so I feel like it's important for us to really understand what our value system is and how we live that and also to, to protect ourselves and respect ourselves and, and really, um, you know, a friend of mine was talking to me yesterday about how if you treat yourself like a precious gem, you will shine brighter and be stronger. And I think that's so important. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of do that. do that. And I think I kind of came to that towards, you know, this recently, like, you know, six months ago or whatever. I do kind of do that because I have to. I got to that place where it's like if I don't do this, then I'm not going to feel okay. And so I really yeah. need to treat myself, yeah. you know, kind of like a you know, diamond or, or whatever it is because I, yeah. I need to shine, right? I get it. Um, yeah. I, also wanted to jump, I wanted to jump back and tell you, you know, when you were talking about your mental wardrobe, I'm so going to use that because I what love a great that. analogy. Yeah, I do too because I, I heard my son yeah. was talking about some kids being um, – crazy in school he's an eighth grader and he's in you know, he's got lots of drama going on and he, he mentioned the word fake the other day and I hadn't heard that oh. word since I don't know or used in that same context since you know I was in high school and so like I tried to like put myself in his shoes and realize you know what he was thinking of and I thought gosh yeah. fake you know um that I feel kind of like I'm fake sometimes and and so I needed uh. to come up with a better term for that and mental wardrobe is exactly what it is because being authentic to myself and and being the way I am and with the life I'm leading and my and my struggles and things like that, sometimes I feel like, you know, this is a different this is a different outfit. And um, uh, yeah, it's okay. Sure. It's okay to have that different outfit on. Yeah. You know, um there are so many people you encounter. I have a neighbor and she's great and fun, but um, you know, she's I gotta wear a certain outfit when I go see her, you know? And yeah, so um right. it's just it's a self preservation mode I guess I'm getting in and so uh-huh, um uh-huh. I like the mental wardrobe I'm definitely going to use that oh, and good. I think I'm use going to, yeah. to share that with my son because I oh, I want yeah. him to know that if he's got to be in different scenarios and situations that it's okay to to put on different you know put on your armor mm-hmm. put on your yeah you know superman well, cape or thing, whatever it is yeah and one thing that helps people sometimes is doing a little mood board about this, even just a piece of construction paper or whatever, and cutting out pictures or printing pictures out from online that, to help, like if people are having trouble visualizing it, um, <clears throat> you know, if you go through, I don't know, Pinterest and look for pictures of all different kinds of things, it can help you create all those different ideas in your head. And then when you're in the scenario, you're you're calling on a, a reserve of images that you've thought of or seen already. And I think that that helps people get their brain around it a little more. And I, I do really feel so strongly that you're not being fake or inauthentic when you do that, because you are, like you said, being very true to yourself and you're giving what you can. And I, you know, one thing I'll say is that women, especially as we know, but I'll say it again, is that we, you know, we are kind of conditioned to give so fully of ourselves, to give so unabashedly, to be caretakers, and we tend to kind of neglect ourselves. And we're not really, um, I, at least I wasn't, and a lot of people in my community I know we're not, we're not really raised to protect ourselves or value ourselves as highly as we value others or the needs of others. And I think that that 
is a big problem in our community of chronic illness folks because I can't tell you how many people I hear from, whether it's in my secret club membership program or people who comment on social media or people who come up to me at, you know, keynote addresses afterward will tell me like that they, they feel like they're always sacrificing for everybody else, but they never actually take the time, set aside the time to, to think about what they need and what they want to do. Oh, wow. And um, I think that is um, malarkey. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, I mean, I get it. I understand it. I've definitely been there and I still have to work on it all the time. But like, we have to take that time to think about what is good for us. You know, we can't, and even if we think about it in the context of how can we be of best service to other people, we can't be of best service to them if we're not respecting our own needs and limits, you know, Um, and our own passions. Because to be real, like I, I can respect my needs and limits time-wise, energy-wise, and, and be a good um, partner to my fiancé or be a good friend to my friends or be a good vendor to my clients. But I'm also not being the best person to them if I'm not honoring the things that I'm also passionate about. Because when I let myself, when I give myself the space to be creative, you know, to cook, to sing in my living room or my car, to sew, I love to quilt and make clothes and handbags and stuff. Like if I don't give myself some space um, every day or every week to work on those things, I'm like part of me is missing. And then that when I do those things, it really nurtures a great creative energy in me. And that creative energy goes a long way to helping me be of best service to my community, to my partner, to my friends. And um, so I, I really always encourage people to remember that it's not just about like, you know, mom needs time for a nap or, you know, I got to make sure that I eat my, you know, right vegetable quantity today. It's not just that kind of stuff. It's also like feeding your soul and your creative energy because those are part of you too. They're they're essential life forces to me. (laughs) You know, that was one of the biggest, um, one of the biggest, losses I would say um, with Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism for me was uh, the loss of creativity much of my job depended on my Mm. ability to be creative and um, you know you almost have to foster it to get it back you know what I'm saying Uh it's not like there's Uh any magic pill or or anything that that brings it back you almost have to foster it to to bring it back and that's that's been a challenge for me you know yeah yeah and I yeah, didn't realize how thing. much of a challenge I didn't realize how much of a challenge um it was for me and what I was going through until just this very moment because I used to be a Zumba instructor. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And I was after the day after I got diagnosed officially, I was living in Costa uh-huh. Rica and I was getting on a plane to go to a Zumba convention, which is just four days of of full-on <laughs> exercise and dancing. Right, right. right. Creativity yeah. and, and energy. And um, he was like, yeah, no problem. You know, here, take your pill and you'll be fine. Yeah. Mm. And uh, that did not serve me well because uh, I just, yeah. as you said, it was not mindful movement. It wasn't gentle uh-huh. exercise. Um, uh-huh. But it did it did serve me because I loved it and I loved to dance and I loved to create and I loved to teach. And it was fa- mm. it was fun and and so it did serve me in one way, but it also just tore up my adrenals. And uh, inevitably, yeah. you know, I crashed, you know, after a year of 
was trying to do all that. Um, and I didn't realize that, you know, I, I didn't really, I wasn't able to nurture any of my creativity or any of that. And, and so I'm kind yeah. of just coming to that space that you guys were just talking about. I didn't Even realize blogging. that blogging that went away. Creative. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Jenny, what, well, are, yeah, well, what are some tips? Does visualization, do you find that vis- visualization is something that helps people bring back that creativity to remember that place that you were in? I mean, should Dana, like, picture, visualize the Zumba instructor? What What are some tips that you have for people, for your, you know, um, your listeners who are struggling with creativity and just finding that spark again. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, so for me, I can talk about a few things that really work for me and that um, that I and some things I've heard other people talk about too. But one thing is um, is that a lot of us, when we lose the ability to do that thing, um, we feel like it's a total loss, and that if we can't come back to the way that we used to do it, then why bother? And it's that's, a that's a hang up that a lot of us face. And maybe you've had that too. Um, I know that, you know, as a writer, I went through many years where I had extreme hand pain and I really struggled and it was very challenging to feel like I couldn't. And even today I still don't write like I used to. I used to just sit for hours and bang away at the keyboard. And now I have all these workarounds. And so you know, practically, I do things like I have a sit-stand desk so I can better work with my mobility and stay flexible. I have a timer set on my computer to go off every 20 minutes and freeze the keyboard. So I have to take a break, which is good for my eyesight and my hands and my posture. Um, and I, I plan my schedule in a way that helps me write at the most optimal time of the day for me, which is like mid-morning to early afternoon is my most um, energized creative time. So I think for a lot of people, it's important to set some of, figure out what some of those practical support methods are and really implement them and honor them. Like, and yes, for me, when I first started using that 20 minute timer, I was like, there's no way I'm going to be productive if I have to stop every 20 minutes for a two minute break. I mean, come on. And actually it turns out I'm more productive <laughs> because I, continue to when if I'm writing something narrative I will continue to write it in my mind as I take that two minute break and like wander around my apartment or stand up at a cafe and look out the window and that actually energizes a part of my writing mind that I think had been kind of dormant because it used to be that I would just write nonstop and actually taking those pauses lets me kind of digest what I've been doing and rethink some things and so it's actually been um it's actually boosted my productivity in a really big way and it protects my health. So I think that one hang up that a lot of people have, which is this idea that they can, they can never go back to how things were. And so they can't do it at all. I think people got to get over that. And I say that with love. I don't mean like get over it, but I mean, I mean like, okay, let's get past that. Like let's try to get real about how else we can do this. And same thing with, you know, painting or writing music or singing or dancing. Like I have a friend with a bunch of chronic illnesses who is a classically trained singer. And for a long time she had to stop singing and now she's back at it, but she just does it in a very different way. And I think part of that mourning process we talked about is really important because I think you should 
be allowed and give, be given the space to mourn the loss of how it used to be. But then if we always feel like we have to get back to how it used to be, I think we're always going to be let down. And let's be real, as human beings, we can never quite go back to how it used to be. I mean, we're aging, the world is evolving. And so if instead we can try to think about, well, what's going to stimulate me the most and help me make this happen, let's put that into action. You know, if you can start to work on thinking that way, it makes a big difference. And then visualizations are definitely important. So I do a mood board every year. Sometimes I mix it up throughout the year. Um, Now, what do you mean by mood board? I'm sorry, would you mind telling us? Your mood sure, board. I mean, sure. we talked about you talked about clipping. What is your mood board, and and how do you utilize well, it? So back in the day, I would actually like cut out stuff from magazines and put it up on a bulletin board in my office. So for me, it has pictures of like me, like a woman in a bikini on a beach, because I really love beach vacations, and I want to visualize myself taking a beach vacation and making that happen. Or, um, you know, little gems and dollar signs because I like nice things. Um, (laughs) And, you know, stacks of books because I'm writing a book and I'm trying to imagine myself as a successful author. There's things like that. Um, And words, words that are encouraging and, and trigger wonderful feelings in me. And also a few pictures for me, it's important to think about spirituality. So I've, um, I'm a Buddhist and so I, have pictures of some of my spiritual teachers um, and that is very inspiring and calming um, and encouraging to me, but more and more I've leaned toward doing it on Pinterest. So I have a couple, my chronic babe Pinterest account is like wide open for the world, but I have a couple of private boards that are, that only I can see or only I and a friend Mm -hmm. or my fiance can see. And I, I clip things to that so that I can go back and look. And that's a really interesting, different way to approach it because it can be constantly evolving, right? It's a lot easier to change right. that than it is to, like, pull down a physical clipping off a board. But those that kind of visualization is really important. And then I think finding community around whatever creative endeavor it is that you're missing. And so, um, you know, years ago, I, I talked a lot about dancing with my friend Lula, and she is in California, and she does this whole thing called uh, that's about dancing through pain. And a lot of people think that if you can't, and I went through this, because I had a few years where I could barely walk more than a couple blocks at a time. Um, I had a lot of pain and fatigue, and Lula really encouraged me to still dance, even if it meant sitting in the chair and, like, bob- bobbing my head and tapping my foot. She's like, that's still dancing. If you're still listening to music and you're moving and you're feeling the music, then that's something that's better than nothing. And um, movement, you know, over music and movement for me are are huge music, especially crucial. And I, you know, what's funny, you talk about visualization. I, I think I do do that, you know, because when I listen to music, I do visualize, you know, being a previous dancer, I do visualize, the way mm-hmm. I used to be able to move, and it and it is therapeutic for me, you know, because mm-hmm. the most I can move at that rate is like two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, but, I do. It's you know, funny I mean, you say that because I I I do like five minute dance parties sometimes in my living room where I just put on something like that right. really gets me going. And that's awesome. I used to go clubbing. I used to go clubbing right. all the time. I used I used to be like dancing on tables and out till four a.m. and all that stuff. And I, you know, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> my kind but, of girl oh man I used to be out there but but you know I so now I do five minute dance party in my living room and I'll just like turn on something really 
awesome and just like dance my heart out and then chill out and sit down. And, you know, we have this thing here in Chicago talking about community. Um, we have this thing here in Chicago and in a couple other cities, I think New York and San Francisco and maybe LA or in Atlanta, I'm not sure, but um, it's called dance, dance, party, party. And it's run by women for women. And it's a, usually a weekly here in Chicago. It's twice a week. It's a gathering at a dance studio and people take turns being the DJ and it's an hour long. And what they do oh, is they turn fun. out all the lights. Yeah. It's super fun. They turn out all the lights and they have like twinkly lights all around the floor so that it's lit, but not super brightly lit. It's wheelchair right. accessible. Anyone is allowed to come. There's only one rule and that is that you don't talk. So you can dance however you want on your own and no one's judging and you don't have to feel like you have to explain yourself in any way. And I got to say, it is deeply moving How every cool. time I go. Yeah, it's incredible. So what I is it called again? It's called Dance, 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 Dance Party, Party. Party, Party. Yeah, Dance, Dance, Party, Party. And it's such an incredible thing. And I think there's other programs like that. Like I just heard about a program in Oak Park, which is a suburb of Chicago, where they do um, accessible dance. And I think that people... Um, who are missing out on those aspects of their life, which so many of us are, and which a lot of us really feel like are um, essential to our identity, finding community really helps us. It helps us learn about tools and equipment um, and techniques that can help us. And it also reminds us that we're not alone and we can get encouragement and um, you know, same thing with sewing. Like I love to sew, but it's hard on my body sometimes. But also when I get in the flow and I'm being nicely ergonomic and thoughtful, it's actually very soothing for my pain and calming. So I found a woman in Chicago named Tracy Mooney who has this Facebook group called So Supportive, like S-E-W, Supportive. And yeah, and she has chronic illness, and so she writes a lot and teaches a lot around how to make your space ergonomic and to how how to be a, like a very healthy crafter, no matter what your illness is. And so I'm I'm hoping to partner with her on some stuff in the future because, again, it's like that finding that community is such a a help because you know you're not alone. You're learning things that can help you. Um, and you're, you can support other people, too. And I think some of us, when we're really flaring and we really don't feel like we're a, of use to the world because we can't do anything we feel like we want to, if the one thing we can do is hop on Facebook and, like, post a couple of supportive comments for friends who are also feeling challenged, I mean, that's valuable. Like, you're being of value to the world when you do that. So it's like even on those days when I can't sew, I can't dance, I can't sing, I can't cook, if I can hop online and support people who are trying to do those things and cheer them on, then I still feel like a really valuable part of our community. And I think that that is um, something that we all need to feel. Mm, totally. And I love joy. that. Bring That's joy fantastic. You can find joy in any limitation. You know what I mean? If you're having a bad day, mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes I'll just put headphones on and just listen to music, and it totally changes everything for me, my outlook, out, everything. Yeah. There's yeah. always something uh, music, you can Music do does that for me, to, any kind of music, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I use Spotify, so there's a, if people want to go look, I'm, my, <laughs> I'm basically chronic babe everywhere. Really? Right? But, like, yeah, there's a ton of playlists that I've created on Spotify for all different kinds of moods. And so some of them are really peaceful, but some of them are, like, 
pump up the jams, you know? So I use music all the time. I pretty much have music on nonstop in my life. So um, if people want to go listen on Spotify, it's free if you download the app on your phone or whatever. And I've made all these playlists to help people and they're pretty fun. In fact, I made a holiday. Go ahead. How do they find you under Chronic Babe or under your name on Spotify? Uh, well, they can search for both. They could search for Jenny Procopi or they can just search for Chronic Babe. Chronic Babe is my username on Spotify. Um, so if they go, to, if they open the Spotify app and just search for Chronic Babe, it should pull me up. And then there's like, I want to say there's, there's like probably 26, 27 playlists. Um, and I made a super monster, almost 20 hour long holiday playlist for people no way i want to do it right now i'm totally gonna do it (laughs) it's huge it's like country hip-hop pop classical it's got all your classics it's got motown it's got hanukkah christmas festivus new year's winter solstice like i'm like i got every winter holiday in there I think. That is, I that is so neat. I was just with my daughter last night. We were in the car, and I was flipping through the radio stations, and I was thinking, gosh, in Dallas, they had a radio station, 103.7, that mm-hmm. played, you know, the month of December, they played only holiday music. And so she's like, what are you doing? You're going through every station. I'm like, well, I'm just trying to see if they have a holiday <laughs> station here, right? And so now I'm going to go, go to Jenny Pocopi's holiday station instead. Yes, That's right. go, go find the Chronic Babe Ultra Awesome Super Sparkly Holiday Playlist, and you are set. You can listen to that for days. <laughs> That's awesome. I know, right? <laughs> it's pretty fun. Oh. I mean, it. you know, I think for me, it's like I, I try day to day to find all different kinds of ways that I can bring a little bit of beauty and a little bit of joy into my day. And so it's like to go back to coloring my hair, it's like, you know, some days everything feels like shit and nothing feels right and my clothes don't feel right but you know what if my hair is on point I feel like I can go out in the world and do something and it's like we got to find those little things it's music or art or time with a friend or maybe it's cooking a simple meal that's nourishing or you know whatever is your jam right like whatever is that unique special thing about you that you love um you got to find a way to squeeze it in. And even if you can't do it like you could before, um, anything that comes close is, is a positive. And, and also, you know, when I talked about community, the one thing I didn't say specifically is like, if you need help, like physically, like, you know, in your space, get it. Like I, some days I can't cook on my own, but if my best friend comes over and we cook together, we can cook a really awesome meal together and then we both reap the benefits and so do our families, you know? Um, And I know that not everybody has people physically, you know, proximal to them that can do that. But when you can find somebody like that to help you or even, even over Skype, like I have friends who get together over Skype and do coloring books and they talk while they're doing their coloring books and then they hold up the pictures that they colored oh, wow. to each other on Skype. Like <clears throat> you got to find ways, right? Cause some of us are really isolated all the time. And um, that connection is so critical. Hmm. Speaking of connection, let's talk mm-hmm. about something that you blogged on 
um, on how to be a great significant others to people with chronic illness. So how do we, that's something that takes a huge hit in chronic illness Uh, is our, our ability to love another person or to, to relate like we used to any of that. How, how, what are some, what are some tips and tricks for that? Yeah, that's a tough one. That's one of the hardest things. I think I, you know, a lot of listeners may not know that I was married before um, and was with my ex-husband for quite a few years. And, um, you know, we split for a variety of reasons and I have a lot of respect for him and still care for him. Um, But I mean, chronic illness definitely played a role in our split. It was very, very difficult on our relationship. And um, I've learned a lot about myself since then. And I'm very excited that I'm, I'm actually getting married in like two weeks. So, um, so that's that pretty fun. And Best wishes thanks. to the bride. How cool! Oh, I can't wait. I want to. Mm-hmm. I, hey, add me to you. One of, I want to be added to one of your secret Pinterest boards for your wedding. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's okay. Let see. me let, let's talk offline and I'll add you. I'll add okay. you. I yeah, it's really we're doing a little thing before the end of the year because I you know for bureaucracy I need insurance. Um, but also we were going to do it anyway, <laughs> so we'll have a big party next year. But you know I. I think that it's really, I think, first of all, everything we've been talking about today, it lays the groundwork because the first thing we have to do is we need to be able to um, love ourselves because if we can't love ourselves and be authentic to who we really are and really honest with ourselves, then we, it is really difficult then to give of ourselves to another person. Um, And I'm not saying we all have to be perfect at it or that, that I am perfect at it, certainly not, but I, I work on it, you know? Um, right. And so that's the first thing is to really honor, you know, this, this work that we try to do on ourselves because that's really important. And then <clears throat> I think working with our partners, you know, whether it's somebody that you're just starting to date or somebody that you're married to uh, and whether or not they've been with you since you got diagnosed or if this is a new thing, um, I think it's really important to just, work on how you're going to communicate about it. Um, a lot of people wait till they're tired and it's the end of the night and they're climbing into bed together. And then they wind up having like a serious conversation about scary stuff. And um, I think it's important to think about time and place. And so for some people that means like setting a date every day or committing to the idea that like when we both get home from work or when he or she gets home from work, we're going to, do a little download for half an hour and really sit next to each other on the couch and talk through our day and talk about things that are issues. So I really like doing that, not at your most vulnerable time, which is when you're like naked or in your pajamas in bed. Right. Um, Right. So I think those, I think that's really important. I think it's really important to remember that the person who's sick is really struggling and has a lot of issues and is scared and has a lot of emotions, but your partner has a lot of that too. Like your partner may not feel your physical symptoms, but they see you and they're going to feel for you. And that's going to bring up a lot of um, emotion for them. And so honoring the fact that they also need to work through those emotions. So they, you've got to have some give and take on that. And, and I think it's really important. Like I ask Joe, my fiance, all the time, like, how are you feeling about this? Just really simple. How are you feeling about this? Because I want, I want to know, you know, and I want to make sure that, you know, he's so loving and so, so cares for me and so protective. Um, 
and and really pays attention and and really wants to be supportive. But um, I've got to be that way for him too. I mean, I don't get off the hook just because I'm sick. Like I need to be an equal partner. So I make a really active effort to ask him all the time, like, how are you feeling about this? And just start that conversation. And maybe we don't even need a big conversation, but reminding him right. continually that he can talk about it if he needs to is really important. Um, and I think also pointing them to resources that maybe of support, reminding them that it's okay, that if they want to talk, you know, I've done this with him and I've encouraged other people to do it with their partners, reminding them that if they need to talk about stuff to someone else, that it's okay. Like, I'm not going to feel like he's talking about me if he needs to call his friend and talk about how he's feeling, because that's okay. And the same way I might right. call my best friend and talk to her about how I'm feeling about it, like, he gets to do the same thing. And so there's a certain level of trust there that I think we, you know, need to develop with our partners so that they feel comfortable reaching out and getting the support and help that they need and that we give them that space, you know, um, because they're humans and they're with us because they love us and because we deserve to be loved and so do they. So I feel like everything that I want and for myself that I hope to get for myself, I want to make sure I give to him. And then I also, you know, we talked a lot about fun and, and creativity. I try to bring him in on that stuff all the time. So like if he comes home from work and we're both stressed out, we may like grab each other and do a little dance in the kitchen you know, while the pasta is boiling or whatever. I mean, really try to like, <laughs> you know, or I might find a song that I think he's, I know he'll think is pretty cool or I think he'll think is cool um, and play it for him. Or, you know, I, I like to do a lot of crafting. Maybe I make him a little something or, or you know, and he does the same thing for me. So it's like, I think it, it's a lot of this is not even that special to people with chronic illness. It's more like just general relationships. <laughs> like, oh, totally. I think, it's been I, I think chronic illness just, just kind of ups the ante, you know what I'm saying? It does. You know, yeah, it does. my husband and I, we've been married for 25 years, and it's, I want to wow. say I became a different person, but I I, mm-hmm. I I became a different person. I hate to say it. I mean, yeah. but I think yeah. that's true of any long, you know, I think that's true of any relationship. I mean, we evolve and we have to give ourselves room to evolve, and, and I think that's, you know, um, yeah, like you said, I think it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. any relationship. I just think chronic illness sometimes, um, or I could say, you know, with chronic illness and children, and which, you know, happens mm-hmm. in any relationships, bonding, you have to spend the time to bond, to be together, mm-hmm. and to, to know who each other is, you know. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, it's ever-evolving. It's, yeah, it's a, we change a lot, and I, I think, it's really beautiful when we can give ourselves space to change because we're constantly changing. I mean, that's just biology, right? Like we we live in a world that's constantly changing and we're constantly changing whether we like it or not. And even if we didn't have chronic illness, (laughs) yeah, no choice. I mean, the other, the other option is not being here. Right. So like, let's work with what we got. And um, (laughs) you know, whether, whether we have chronic illness or not, right. right, We're still going to change. Like even people who have, quote unquote, perfect health, they're also going to be changing and their bodies are going to be changing. And, you know, I'm sorry, but whether you have, you know, I've gained weight partly because of the meds, partly because I'm a stress eater. So yeah, you know, like I need much more supportive bras than I needed 20 years ago, but (laughs) 
lots of ladies who don't have chronic illness need that too. Like this is just right. part of life. So like, dang it, I'm going to wear a cute bra. Like that's just what I'm going to do. And right. if I can't afford, I mean, I have a friend who like, she lives on disability and she's, it's, she was homeless for quite a few years and um, now oh has an goodness. apartment. And yeah, she really went through the ringer and, you know, I was talking with her and she was like, I buy all my bras at a thrift store. And I said, oh, my God, I can't imagine doing that. And she's like, well, when you don't have a choice, you do it. But I got to tell you, some right. people bring really cute bras to the thrift store. And I was like, you go, girl. Like, <laughs> you get you a cute bra. And I feel like. Yeah, you go for it, right? Right. And I feel like if you can't. And, and you know what? I have embroidery floss and a needle and, and whatever. If I have a bra and it's feeling plain to me, I am going to embroider a flower on it. Whatever. Like, <laughs> let's make it fun. Like, let's. What that fine way? I threw my bra out the you window. <laughs> Let's bring it <laughs> on. over it with my car, and <laughs> yeah, uh, that was well, therapy I've for me. Had those moments too. <laughs> I've definitely had those moments too. But and you know, speaking of undergarments, I mean, I think if we want to talk for a moment about intimacy and sexuality with our partners, I mean, those things bring change it, girl. a lot too. Those are really <laughs> tough. I mean, people lose a lot. I mean. I cannot do some of the things I used to be able to do, and I think a lot of us can't. And so, and what I picture is you swinging around on a on a ceiling fan when you say you can't do <laughs> things. That's what I picture. A pole, like, a pole like Kermit the Frog, you know, doing it. like Kermit the Frog sitting around on the yeah, fan. You know, and she's Muppet. upside down on the fan, swinging around a room. <laughs> you got she can't do that got All visualizing, Jenny. We're just all visualizing. This is good. I like it. I like it. I I embrace that. Yeah. No, I, I think um, finding ways to breathe a little liveliness back into that is really important. And sometimes that is wearing fun underwear. And some, like, maybe you can't, maybe you can't put your, I don't know, ankles behind your head anymore. Well, tough, you know, <laughs> like, there's a bunch of books you can buy that help with all those kinds of things, there's, um, I'm, oh, you can I'm get your partner to visualize with you of putting your ink. That's right. You can <laughs> just do that. And I'm going to my, I'm going to my secret stash of talk. books. So like, <laughs> or you could, yeah, just, I mean, you could just both visualize what you both used to could be able to do. That's what I mean. You can, <laughs> that's what I mean. You know what? You can definitely do that. And that's what a little, uh, no. you know, mutual self care is about. But yeah, like there's, you know, there's some great books like Enabling Romance is a really awesome book. It's a guide to love, sex, and relationships for people with disabilities. Um, oh. There's a wonderful book called The Ultimate Guide to Sex and Disability, um, and I love that one a lot. There's a couple other books out there, too, that are really great. And, you know, a lot of the patient forums for various illnesses, people talk about this stuff. And um, they should. I feel like we should not shy away from it because it's part of us. That's part of being human, you know, sexuality you know, it's and intimacy. Almost, it's almost taboo, you know, that I've found. I don't know about you, Dana, but in the Hashimoto's forums, to me, if you had to ask me what the greatest consequence of my illness is, it was the loss of feeling sexy or even wanting to have anything to do with sex. I mean, I think my husband mm. is smoking. Mm. See, I, it's just almost like it takes too much energy and... Yeah. I it, you know, it take let's face it, it takes a little bit of creativity and and feeling sexy, right? That's I don't feel sexy. And and it's probably because mm. I backed up over my bra. I get that, right? 
And just to be honest, right? We're going to be real. I mean, it's I'm going to be authentic. Tire marks on it. Come on, right? Yeah. How can you be sexy with tire marks? I'm going to be boob, right? authentic to myself right now, and yeah. that's been my greatest consequence. And you see it come up every now and again mm-hmm. in these forums, but I'll tell you, Jenny, it never gets talked about ever. I mean, no, it that's doesn't. a shame. Just that on is here a and shame. there. Yeah. But I have to tell you, honestly, it's it's not just the loss of feeling sexy. I, I'm, I'm going out on a limb here, girls, so hang with me. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. the uh, pretty oh. lingerie and the things I used to buy, you know, I weigh 100 uh. pounds more than I did. Yeah. No one makes pretty oh, lingerie girl, for me. Oh, girl, so with you. I'm right there with I you. Have, <laughs> I have boobs that are the size of a soccer ball, okay? I mean, <laughs> it's so annoying. I mean, literally, I would need a hoist. To get these suckers in something like this. I'm just saying, okay. But that's that's frustrating. So even when I yeah. do feel sexy, I'm like, where do I go? I mean, I'm 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 a size 16 in pants. Nobody thinks that I that I weigh as much as I do. I weigh 202 pounds. That was my register yesterday at the doc's office, and I thought this is crazy to me. I gained six pounds in a month. No, I don't eat any differently. But to feel sexy when I weigh 202 pounds, and what's funny is my oldest daughter said to me, my 13-year-old daughter said, I can't believe I've cracked 200. And, and mm. my daughter said to me, she said, Mom, you don't look 200 pounds. She goes, you know yeah. what's funny? She says, you never, ever think about that until they weigh you at the doctor's. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I thought, Wow. My 13-year-old daughter just nailed it. I don't think about it. <laughs> I mean, I do think about it when I want some, you know, some something pretty, lingerie-wise. Uh-huh. I'm like, uh-huh. I got an order from, you know, freaking Thailand or something. You know what I'm saying? Right. That makes a size gazillion triple Z bra. Okay, <laughs> but that sexy well, so is so I, hard and, and to get. Realize- do you realize how many little China kids that Chinese kids that took to make that too, Tiff? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> well, you. Oh my God. so I have some thoughts about this actually because I got to tell you child labor on that one. <laughs> so I got to tell you, but I'm telling you, I need help. I need to feel sexy. Yeah, I and it's well, what's I really my husband says. You know, he's like, well, nothing's changed for me. That's so hard to mm-hmm. wrap my head around. I'm like, dude. Mm-hmm. You need glasses, seriously. Like, yeah. You need some serious glasses. I'm pretty sure you can't see. But I would love to have something that helped me feel sexy again. Yeah. We need to make well, I, a lingerie line I, for 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 us. Well, We're so going to call are, it hoist. I, <laughs> oh, ropes and pulleys. No, I – listen – I, I re- what you're saying really rings true to me because I also am right at 200, and I that that is almost 100 pounds more than I was when I first got diagnosed. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, when I first got diagnosed, I was at a very unhealthy weight for my height, so I don't ever want to go back to that weight. But it is very challenging, and I mean, I just bought a like a dress to get married in, and it's it feels weird, you know, because it's like, am I really going to look pretty? And then, so here's what I've been focusing on with this, because this is really tough for me too. And I know it's true across our community. Um, I, first of all, I believe your husband when he says that nothing's changed for him. So She's a babe. I, I have, I didn't hear him say it, <laughs> but I believe that he said that. And I believe that he believes it because I think that when people really love each other, they, they, 
can get around that and in fact almost sometimes embrace it i mean some people really like to motorboat on some big boobies and if you're tiny then maybe they can't do that i don't know i mean i don't want to get i know you said it's a family show so i don't want to get too crazy i've had i've had four um, kids though so they're more like soccer balls it's it's you know like the what is the funny what is the funny cartoonist that has the boobs that hang down like around their knees you know, like, oh, oh yeah, I've seen those. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh my god. Can't think of it. So I bought <laughs> a bra Sorry. the other day and I, I got it at the shop called Torrid. I don't know if you've heard of them before. Um it sounds familiar. Yeah, it's spelled T O R R I D and I'm I'm not a paid spokesperson, but I gotta tell you, I love them. And <laughs> They they fitted me and they put me in a bra that makes me look like twenty pounds lighter. I mean, I don't look like I weigh two hundred pounds. I and it feel it feels great and I feel super sexy. And you know, part of it was just the fact that of going into the store and being respected and having women there who of size mm. who are like so you are shop. so beautiful. Yeah, it's they have a physical shop and they have a website too. And cool. they make really, really cute lingerie and they make them in sizes that will hold your soccer balls <laughs> like really so i mean i, I would that. really Torrid. I, yeah torrid.com is their website and they have a bunch of physical stores i mean i'm lucky in chicago they have a big store right downtown but i mean they are really worth looking into because they have a bunch of cute stuff and it's it's not insanely expensive at all because like bras can be really really expensive but oh you know God, if you're a wanting bra, to, like a good bra for me is like 75 dollars I'm I'm not kidding. Yeah, no. I am not I kidding. I the bra I got the other day was twenty nine dollars. That's totally and it's fantastic. Reasonable. So I mean, I would really yeah. encourage you to check them out. And there's other places like that too. But I I'm personally a big fan of them because they've also got a real like funky, unique style, and I really dig that. But and they're like this and more trendy stuff too, which is kind of fun. And um, you know, they cool. even have I like think I bought I've a pair of Wonder. Name. It's really good. They're great. I even bought a pair of Wonder Woman panties from them recently. Wonder Woman. I, I love need it. one of I, those. I need yeah, those. I'm really like telling the world my business right now. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's so important because you want to feel sexy and beautiful. And it, it, it it's like if your energy is drained already from being a mom and being human and having health issues and stuff, you don't want to also have to like – put a ton of energy into, you know, figuring out the perfect outfit. So like I used to do the whole thing where I'd have a garter and like shoes and whatever. And, <laughs> and I don't like, I don't mess with any of that stuff anymore because you know what? It's like, I, I need that energy for other things in that moment. So I'd rather. <laughs> right. And I also, there's a couple other things I would say is one, we go back to this communication and as hard as it can be. And I, like, I really, I kind of got choked up when you said that like your husband says nothing's changed for him and you have a hard time believing that. Cause I, I, I know what that feels like to have your partner be like, I still am really hot for you. That's and a you tough don't, one. Yeah. My, my if you don't feel hot for right yourself. Mm-hmm. So I, I really I don't feel so hot um, for myself. There you go. You nailed yeah. it. That is it a can simple be, sentence. That mm-hmm. nails a thousand emotions right there. Don't feel so hot uh, for myself. Yeah, yeah. So I want, like, I want you to feel hot for yourself. Like, I really, I don't, I don't mean to come <laughs> on to you, but I want you to <laughs> bring it. So you know, there's there's things that there's a blog you might want to check out. There's a great blogger who's kind of newer on the scene, um, Kirsten, and she does this blog called ChronicSex.org. Oh, huh. um, and she. 
Oh, it's great. She writes a lot. She does a lot of product reviews. She does a lot of blog posting. I've interviewed her once for my membership program, and she's great. So I hope to work with her again on other stuff. There's another blog called Hedonish. It's spelled H-E-D-O-N-I-S-H. And um, she also um, she goes under a pseudonym, and I can't remember it, so I don't want to say her real name by accident, but she does a great <laughs> blog. And she, she didn't start as a chronic illness blogger, but she kind of shifted that way because she saw a need for it. And those are two sites right. where I've been going lately to get a lot of ideas. And then Very cool. Um, you know what I love? Yeah, You're like really a resource cool. for everything. I know. I'm trying. I'm, I'm you know trying. what I'm saying? Like, okay, so if this is your greatest challenge, you go here. If this is yeah. a challenge, let's do this. I love that. I really do. Well, I think know, it's an enormous need. I, enormous. Yeah. Truly. Well, I really appreciate you saying that because I think that for me, because Chronic Babe addresses all women with illness, like no matter what your illness is, I try to really stay up to speed on resources for all different kinds of things, right? Like not just specific to one or two of my illnesses. Um, and sexuality is such a huge thing for people. And I will huge. say one, there's one other person who I think does great work in this area and her name is Evian and she's in Portland, Oregon. And she does a site called sexloveliberation.com. Okay. And she does a lot of work around self-love and sensuality and masturbation. And I have found that, reading her blog posts and following her on Instagram helps reinforce to me the real need for me to be hot for myself, to really be in love with myself. And to, and that has done a world of good for me because she's all about like, don't forget you have all these other senses. Like it's not just about your genitals. It's about like smell and sound and sight and textures oh, for and sure. everything. Yeah, so she's great, and she really – hers isn't specific to chronic illness, but it is really profound, and I, I love her work. And that has helped me a lot, too, because I know what you mean. Like, I'm I'm a lot heavier than I used to be. I don't fit into the skimpy stuff that I used to have. But dang it, I'm going to go find skimpy stuff just in a bigger size, and I'm going <laughs> to – I'm going right. to take – a candlelight bath with a nice music and you know I'm going to do those things to try to come back to the reality which is that I'm a woman and I I, I have a lot of love to give and and I love my partner and I I it's a great way for us to connect and it's a it's a natural pain reliever babes it's like those endorphins are great totally. for pain management <laughs> totally and that's a whole we could go into the whole chemistry of the whole you know Oh, yeah. Oxytocin and, you know, it's yeah. a, that needs provocation to, to raise. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. like it's, you can't just take a pill that's going to increase No, that. You can't. No. It's, you've got to build foods, more things all kinds your, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, you've got to build more things into your day-to-day life to nourish that and to bring it forward. Yep. And it takes some effort, which is like, you know, when we're already like moms and we're running our business Higher. and we're doing, yeah, it's like, I know it sucks to hear like, and it takes effort. Like, it's like, oh, great. One more thing I have to worry about. But, you know, if you can find a way to just even for five minutes, like sometimes I just like to sit on the couch with Joe and hold hands and like, you know, kiss for a minute. And it's nice. It's like, it doesn't have to be like a whole escapade in the bedroom, but just that moment of connecting and a little 
Yeah, it's so important. Bonding and intimacy so. go way beyond sex. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, they do. For me, anyways, for sure. You know, no, I actually I, have I to have that bonding and intimacy mm-hmm. before I can't just, you know, it's just not me. That's not my thing. I need yeah. to have some kind of a connection, bonding, intimacy for me to even mm-hmm. be able to go there. Right. Well, and I also think when you have a partner that <laughs> it takes you, an hour. you have a partner that you respect a lot, you're able to communicate <laughs> with. Like you have that closeness and that trust, and so you can kind of relax into that trust. And like for me, that means that I know that if we're in bed and I'm in a certain position, and then suddenly I cramp and I can't be in it anymore, it's not going to kill the night. Like because I trust him and I respect him, and I feel that coming from him too. You know, or like I have. Plenty of friends and plenty of us go through this. We're like, we have gastrointestinal issues and we're like moving, we're like turning over in the bed and like we fart, you know, like for right. some people that was like some people it's that would take them right sex. out of the moment. That's like, called yeah, real you sex. Got, exactly. I mean, you got to find a way to just be like, laugh it off and keep going. Like you can't let that stuff stop you, you know? And I mean, right. it, you can, but it's a bummer. And I like, I, that has been a real challenge to learn how to be, okay about that like some people need assistive devices some people need special cushions so they can get in certain positions and some people need you know certain kind of lube because they have allergies to some things and I just really encourage people to like go find those things because when you have all those tools at your disposal it makes it much less daunting to have an intimate moment and this all again comes back to like authenticity right to like who are we as complete, big, broad human beings? Like we have all these aspects right. of who we are and they, you know, the more we can nurture all of them, the more comfortable and confident we feel in other areas of our life. I mean, the, I, when I have a great session with some, with my partner, I mean, I feel like I'm the boss lady the next day. You know what I mean? Like, I, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So I encourage Well, let's it. face it, like you said, it, it relieves tension. It relieves pain. I mean, it it oxytocin. It's, yes. It mm-hmm. raises oxytocin. It increases joy. I mean, yeah, I know, for yeah. me, it's like it's like you know, someone give me a medal. <laughs> hey, <laughs> right? It. I'm good. Yes. <laughs> we should make medals for that. Funny, we should have ribbons. I have to tell medals. you guys something super funny. Okay, so yeah, I'm in a. I'm in my office in here with my computer, and my my 13 year old daughter just texted me, and she said, "Mom, did you just say a pole in the bedroom?" <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh no! Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. You're like, um, I'm hanging out in here for a while. <laughs> this is a family show, but you know, sometimes we have to talk about things, and my little ears from the other room could just hear that. What? <laughs> Well, let's face it, doggone it. It is, I'm telling you, Jenny, it needs to be talked about. It yeah. has to. It I is agree. an enormous consequence. It's got to be dealt with. We need help. We need, you know, not, not tools. I mean, some people need tools. But I'm saying, you know what I'm saying? Sure. We need help. Yeah. We need to talk about it. We need to talk about it with a bullhorn. Because yeah. I agree. You know, I agree. It's, it's an enormous, for me... It has been an enormous consequence. And when I see it come up in Hashimoto's forums or hypothyroid forums, and you see it with the Spoonies, you see it with MS, you see it all over the place. This is, you know, a causative of failure of their marriage. This is a causative of themselves being depressed. 
being all kinds of stuff. It has to be talked about. And Dan will tell you, I'm the biggest prude on the planet. And I'm the one that's saying, <laughs> we have to talk about it. It's that important. We've got to get our sex back on. I'm sorry, folks. When, you like, show when, up, when I was thinking about you uh, swinging around on the, on the fan and all that, and I mentioned that a few minutes ago, when, what Tiffany was thinking was you like, you know, in some kind of sexy negligee. <laughs> Yeah, see, my uh-huh. was on the fan, and Tiffany, the prude, was in some kind of, like, cute little outfit or something, like a duster uh-huh. or a maid's outfit. That's where she goes, right? Well, oh, my God. I mean, it's amazing. Your, I had four your... kids, I'll be honest, you know. Hey, and you know what? I mean, uh-huh. you you got those four kids somehow, right? I mean, we did. We did. Right. With the TV, nonetheless, yes. Even after number three. Kept coming back for more. Oh, and it's, so it's a it's a huge thing, and and like, you know, I this sounds terrible, but it you know you were talking about other things that didn't involve sex, but it is you have to feel sexy. It's it's so mm-hmm. much about me than anything else. Right. In my head, right. I've changed. Nothing to do with you know them. Saying? About you. It's, right. Huh? Yeah. Nothing to do with them. We, it's all about you. Right. I get it. All about totally, me. And totally. Comes, yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, got to take the... Well, we are... Just nurture myself. Mm -hmm. I mean, we Mm. are complex, rich creatures. We have so many dimensions to our experience and to our personality, right? And we have so many ways that we can enjoy the world and be part of the world. So, you know, creativity, you may not feel like you have a creative bone in your body, but can you color in a coloring book? go for it. Can you cook? Go for it. Can you, you know, line dance? Do it to it. Like, experience those Whatever things. brings you, you joy. Whatever sparks that back. Yeah. Yep. And so that comes, that comes to creativity. That comes to professional work. If you're, if you're a star in your profession and you can really keep nailing it, then great. If you are a really amazing parent and you are doing wonderful things in the raising of your children and nurturing them in ways that make them full, strong, awesome members of our society, then, then that's amazing. And like dive into that. And if that means that you want to create more intimacy with your partner, if that means that you want to create a more interesting wardrobe for yourself, like not just in your brain, but like actually in your closet, you know, if you want to express yourself visually that way, I mean, I really just encourage people to, look for all the different ways in their life where they can go out and, and really express their uniqueness and, and really experience that. And that means like engaging all the senses on, on every level when, when you can, like not to the point of overload, but like really enjoying, like taking a moment and eating an orange and really enjoying the smell and the oils as you open the orange and like Mm. each slice and the juice that bursts into your mouth. Like, the more we can be mindful and be aware and give our senses the opportunity to enjoy, the more peaceful we are, the more happy we are. And then some of these other things that are challenging don't feel like as much of a chore or they don't feel as daunting, you know? Hmm. Oh, wonderful tips. Oh, I love that. That's a flower field moment right there. Oh, this thing has been a flower field it. moment for me. It has <laughs> been a <laughs> Yay! Yeah. Well, Jenny, we what is a, on the horizon a, for you? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Dan. That's right. Sorry. 
No, I was going to do the same thing. Yeah, okay. so let's, I, you know, a lot of things, I mean, I have a few speaking gigs booked for next year, but I'm always looking for more because I just love to get in front of groups physically. It's, it's one thing to do webinars and phone calls and stuff, but I mean, I love to get in a room with people and interact with them and help them. Um, I have a lot of work I do with the U.S. Pain Foundation, so we do um, all kinds of advocacy throughout the year. I helped get some legislation passed in Illinois this year that boosts patients' rights, and so I'm going to continue to do that work. Um, my membership program is really going strong, and we have some really fun stuff planned in the new year. My the busiest month for me in that program this year was the sexuality month. So I think that's going to become uh, a regular thing in the program because clearly Love we it. all need to talk about it. Um, so that's well, really And fun. we talk about then, medications. It's almost like we delve into our illness and that's part of it. Yeah. Like we become the yeah. illness and whatever. We uh-huh. need to, to do more joy. We need to do more chronic babe. Jenny, we need to do yeah. more, more things joy. that, Look outside your diagnosis regardless, you know? Thank you. Yes, absolutely, because you're so much more than your diagnosis. So, And the biggest thing I have is that at the beginning of next year, my book, my first book will come out. So I did that Kickstarter, taking a little longer to write it than I planned. Um, It's called Chronic Babe 101, How to Craft an Incredible Life Beyond Illness. So it's like... It's like we're going back to love school, it. so there's 10 main lessons, and I interviewed all these guest experts on all different stuff, legal, professional, sexuality, romance, oh. personal organization. So I have all these guest And when's experts. it coming out? Um, it'll Beginning be early of next, next year? year. I'm self, yeah, I'm self-publishing through Amazon, <gasps> and um, yeah, so I had about 600 backers through my Kickstarter project, and so I anticipate awesome. that it's going to be pretty big. So that'll come out in the new year, and I'll let you know so you can tell your listeners for Please. sure. I'll send you a copy. Yeah, I'm yeah. really excited Oh, yeah, about absolutely. It. Let us we know would so we, love can, we that. can promote for you. Oh, absolutely. thanks. Yeah, I will definitely keep you in the loop on that because that that's, that's my, like, it's like a four-year-old baby still inside. I am, like, 48 months pregnant <laughs> right now. That's how I feel. <laughs> I'm like, get out of me, book baby. <laughs> So it's almost done. It's just, it's, it's like it's the holidays now and I'm getting married and like things are really crazy. So I'm just, I can't get it done in December. It's not happening. So, can, um, but can that will be pre-order? out early next year. Um, I'm not doing pre-orders. Yeah, I'm not doing pre-orders yet, but later this month, okay. I think we'll have the site up and we'll be doing that. Um, it sounds I wish like the I ultimate say, resource. Ultimate resource. Well, that's really what I mean it to be. It's like the beginner's guide. And not just for beginners, but like the primer for how to be a chronic babe. So the best way for people to ensure that they hear about the announcement is to go to my site at chronicbabe.com and sign up for my weekly newsletter. That's where I announce anytime I have a new video or I do a guest interview or um, a giveaway. And then especially when the book comes out, I will be announcing it. I will be shouting it to the from the Awesome, hilltop. awesome. Um, yeah. So exciting. Well, this has been such a blast, Jenny. You are so much fun. I knew you were going to be uh, from the moment oh, we connected. Okay. And I so appreciate you coming on. And you better add me to that Pinterest board. And I'm coming to Chicago. We're going to have fun. It's happening. Yeah. We want wedding Come pictures. visit me. That would be great. That would be great. It's such a joy. We I are really gonna. appreciate you all having me on. 
Well, thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank Happy you. holidays and best wishes to the to the bride. Thank, thank you, Jenny. You congratulations. Thank you. And thank I'll be in touch you. soon. Okay. Bye, Please. everybody. Bye. Bye. Oh, my gosh. We went a little bit over, but it was so worth it. Wasn't she fun? Huh? Wasn't she fun? She was, she was amazing. I'm going to go sign up and for her blog. Mm-hmm. Huh? And spot on. She was spot on. Spot on. And inspiring because... Um, you know, she's she's uh, <clears throat> kind of the roadmap for for what I'm I want to do with Thyroid Nation in different ways. But um, it's like it's possible seeing her and doing what you know, seeing all the things she's done with Chronic Babe and everything. It's possible even with you know thyroid disease and Hashimoto's or like her fibromyalgia and all of that. So yeah, she was very inspiring and, and just a blast. So that was fun. Love it. We're such a puzzle in this community. All the different pieces that make up. Yeah, it's awesome. <sighs> As always, I'm in a flower a very field, big huh? Thank you. I know. As always, a very big thank you to you, our our listeners, our friends, our followers. Uh, we really appreciate you coming with us on this journey. And uh, if you like what we do, jump over to iTunes and leave us a little ditty, a little preview, a little happy something, a little review of uh, what you think. Please. And, of course, with the holidays coming up especially, be sure to check out Thyroid Nation Essentials at ThyroidNation.com. We just have some goodies, all natural, beneficial for people with thyroid disorders, and uh, they smell wonderful. I've been sitting here with they my do. brain awake today with my with my Yeah, cold. and guess what I'm not doing? <laughs> I, I will send them today, I promise. I've got to quit giving them away. <laughs> You're I know. terrible. I can't help it. Everybody, you know, I want everybody to have a brain awake in their hands. It's just such a wonderful product. So it, it I love really it. Is. Yeah, it's time to replenish my, my my stash. And we're getting amazing feedback on the um on the Speak Your Truth too. The thyroid roll on. Had another one on Saturday yeah. at the farmers market in hundred and five mile an hour winds. <laughs> which has nothing to do with oh my, my cold, gosh. by the way. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was yes. so cold and windy. Who knew Joshua Tree could get like that? But I've been standing out there in snow too. But um, it's worth I'm, it. I get to. I'm looking. I'm looking at snow me. right now. Yeah. I know that's so, so awesome. Happy. Oh my God, that's I love so it. awesome. Me from Costa Rica and my perfect, you know, 80 degree weather, 24 seven, and I'm just over here giddy with the snow. Mm-hmm. So silly. With the snow. how much snow do you have on the ground? Is it quite a bit? Well, at least an inch and a half. Oh my gosh! Is it stuck? The still since this morning. Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah, awesome. It is. Mm. Looks it's a white. It's going to be a white Christmas for you. I know, I know, I know, I know. It's been fabulous. We just love it. We're so silly. I, you wouldn't think we would, but we do. Even with our mm-hmm. thin blood coming from Costa Rica, but we just love it. So, okay, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna end the show, guys. Uh, make sure to follow us on thyroidnation.com. And on Facebook, we have a face, uh, Facebook group called Hoshies and Graves. You type that in, you'll find us. Support. Um, funny, inspiration, information, mm. and always information about the upcoming guests that are coming on. So just check out the group, Hashis and Graves. Check it out. And, of course, Dana and I most importantly always want to remind you that wellness is a journey and takes continual maintenance and evaluation. Make sure to always listen to your own body and be mindful of what it is telling you. Find your joy, whatever that is. Music, five-minute right. dance, find the dance parties, find 
find your joy and keep it there. And um, it's very important to managing this managing this journey. Yes, it is. This is Dana, your thyroid nation, Gringatika. <laughs> you stopped. Not, and not from anywhere. Uh, huh? <laughs> not from anywhere this time. That's right. And Tiffany Milanich of Grateful Garden and Minding Medicine. Mending Medicine. Look, I've got a cold. Right. I'm so bad. Oh Which will be up and running God. after Mending the first medicine. of the year. I said Minding Medicine. Uh, Bringing medicine. the collective voice of thyroid thrivers worldwide so that together, united we heal. We have to end the show with that. So there you go. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Bye.